Blog Talk Radio. So you don't have to be. Welcome to Desperate House Witches. Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So, bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might upset you. This is not the show for you. But you know it is, because that's why you tune in. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios for all of your witching needs. And... As promised, the 2023 House Blessing Ornament Balls, I said balls, are on sale now. So check out the social media page on Facebook for WickedWitchStudios.com. And as I always advise, buy your balls in pairs because they like it that way. All right, that's WickedWitchStudios.com. With me for the hour. You know him. You love him. You wait for him to speak, as do I. My friend, author, pagan pundit, and all-around good guy and groovy human, my friend, Talison Govan. And hey, Tal. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going out there in Internet land? It's been a very, very uh, eventful month since I last spoke to you. We've got lots of things to go over today. Groovy. But before we launch into that, let's talk a little bit about what you're working on. What's, what's happening in writer, writer's world? Well, I am still working on developing. I'm still working on the Queen Book 3 in the Sorceress Saga. Uh, that is going to be coming out after the, some probably sometime in February or March. Uh, big push coming up with that. I am also, of course, doing my yearly Patreon holiday short story, which will be going up just exclusively for my Patreon patrons. If you want to be involved in my Patreon you can look up Talison Govannon on Patreon, and uh, at any level of support, even just a dollar a month, that gets you the yearly holiday short story, which is exclusive to my Patreon patrons for one year, and then the next year you get a new one that's exclusive to the years for a year. Uh, a lot of this stuff happens within the Sorceress universe, so if you dig that kind of stuff, definitely come over and check out my Patreon. Uh, and also, oh, my God, I've got so many things cooking. I've got some publishers that I'm looking to uh, possibly farm out some of my other side book series, too. I'm hoping to have some news on that coming around the springtime uh, and tons of stuff going on. But, you know, I even found myself recently uh, going out and doing a Black Friday uh, activity. I was talking with you about that before we went on. Uh I normally yeah. do not leave the house on Black Friday unless I'm going over to a friend's house for a party or something like that. I definitely never go into a store. But a friend of mine called me up and said, hey, dude, we're heading up to Michigan to go to a recreational weed store. Now, you got to understand, Ohio has medical marijuana. I've got my medical cannabis prescription. But Ohio right. dispensary prices 
are fucking stupid. They are just ridiculously expensive. And so quite often people will go the very short trip from where I'm at. It's like two and a half, three hours to get to a, a multiple really good recreational stores uh, where it's a lot cheaper. So I went up there on a Black Friday. And uh, I went to a recreational weed store on Black Friday. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, getting, getting uh, you know, weed that's normally almost uh, 200 bucks an ounce for 80 bucks for an ounce of prime medical cannabis. That was just too good to pass up. So uh, I had a very, very stony Thanksgiving weekend, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this year, awesome. next year, Next year, we're going to be doing Thanksgiving again. We're going to get a bunch of our friends together, necessarily have a bunch of family that they're hanging out with on kind of a holiday, and we just get together and cook all kinds of weird food and watch weird movies and, you know, whatever, drink strange drinks, smoke strange smokes, and that kind of stuff. This year, but uh, we're getting ready to move into uh We're finally getting work finished on it, so... We've got a lot of things cooking up here in the, in the in the new year. That's awesome. Glad to hear it. All right, let's uh, let's get into this. I'm very excited. You were teasing a lot of stuff to me during the week, and uh, yeah, I I, I want to know what the situation is. So let's get started. Uh, let, let, let me let the folks in internet land in on something. In the week coming week. These uh, town, you're cutting out. You need to you need to move uh, to a secure spot. Okay, can can you hear me better now? Yes. Okay. Well, what I want to include. Well, that well that lasted a second and a half. Um, now I can't hear uh-huh. you at all. Okay, let's right now. Okay, try it or, now. Okay, how about right now? Okay, try that. That sounds good. Okay, okay. That that, that sounds groovy. I can continue on right here. I'm still setting the network up at my new house. I'm on Wi-Fi calling right now because the signal that I gave with my current cell company is not good. We're removing. So ah, I got to get the repeater set up correctly. But uh, no, what, what I want to clue the people in the internet land in on is in a week leading up to one of these shows, I'll be sending Raina uh, Facebook messages here and there teasing this, that, the other thing, like, oh, you're going to the upcoming show, uh, or I'll tease something here or there, uh, especially when we have such an incredible month that that we've just had. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, because the last time we spoke, it was before the midterms. There was a lot of nerves going on here. I'll admit I was a little sure. off. I said that we were going to pick up four or five Senate seats. We're we're going to wind up having to settle for picking up one Senate seat. Um, and, yeah, the Republicans took the House, but, ooh, is that not going to turn out well for them? Uh, it's such a tiny, uh, slim majority. But before we get into all that, there's something that I want to mention. I want to mention it early because it is going to keep coming up over and over throughout what I want to talk about this particular month, and that is Donald Trump's bogus culinary adventures that happened a little over a week ago, where he just where he had a private dinner at Mar-a-Lago and had the disgraced rapper Ye, formerly known as Kanye West, uh, 
ahead and call him yay. If, if, if he says that's his name, I'm not going to uh, uh, quibble over over terms. Uh, but, uh, you know, he had yay there, and, of course, he also had a particularly noxious uh, white supremacist anti-Semite type named Nick Fuentes. Now, Nick Fuentes is not your candy-coated normal Republican anti-Semite where they're just bleeding on and on about George Soros and that kind of stuff. Uh, Nick Fuentes is an honest-to-goodness uh, Catholic supremacist. He wants Catholics to run the government. He wants women to be veiled in in church and in public if possible. He's a real troglodyte. And Donald Trump hosted both of these guys, both Ye and Nick Fuentes, at a private dinner. And from what people said about the dinner, he was very taken. He was taken with Nick Fuentes, or was he taken with Ye? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, yeah, of course Donald Trump is going to invite Ye around because Ye is yeah. a famous black man who's willing to wear the fucking red dunce cap, okay? That's why Donald Trump is always going to want Ye around. It doesn't matter what Ye says. Even after Ye's little tirade on Alex Jones where he said that that there are plenty of Nazis who are good people and he kind of admired Hitler, um, and yet Donald Trump is still going to invite him around because as far as Donald Trump's concerned, hey, it's a black guy who's willing to wear a MAGA hat. That can't help but be good optics, right? Uh, so, you know, and, 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 you know, of course, Trump claims that, oh, yay, brought uh, Nick Fuentes. He didn't really know the guy. But that's obviously a bare-faced lie. Nick Fuentes has been ingratiating himself in MAGA circles like you wouldn't believe. Uh, he has hosted events that have had people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, all these people have spoken at Nick Fuentes' events. Uh, some of the crazy caucus in the House, in the uh, incoming Republican House majority. Um, so, and the thing is, is that this has just brought something front and center, and that is just the ridiculous amount of racism, sexism, homophobia, and yes plain old anti-Semitism that is at the core of the MAGA movement. It is all about grievance politics, folks. It's all about people who are pissed off and looking for someone to blame. And it's such a shrinking base. And that is totally who Trump is playing to now. Uh, he's really feeling panicked about uh, Ron DeSantis and his uh, power moves coming out of Florida Although, also, folks, we don't have to worry about Ron DeSantis. What plays in Florida is not going to fucking play in Indiana or California or even uh, goddamn Arkansas necessarily. Um, but really? um, you know, there's, there's an important core to this, and that is why so much of what's going to be going on is just going to be so toxic to Republicans. Um, there is a real, oh, my God, the House of Representatives is just going to be fun watching these guys cannibalize their own. Um, yes, Republicans taking the House of Representatives by the limits possible majority. Really, if five individual members of the Republican caucus decide that they want to stand in the way of something, they can support anything Kevin McCarthy wants to do. And it can be is in You're breaking a up again, Tal. Ah, damn You're it. You're breaking Hold up on. again, but... 
Yeah. Let me see. Let me try. Hold on one moment. Let me try repositioning. Okay. Her. Start elsewhere in the room. Give me one minute. Uh, of course. Let our guest uh, reposition himself into a better situation so we can hear him. That would be most helpful. <laughs> uh, All right. How about now? Can you hear me better now? Okay. Yes. Go with it. All right. But literally, I mean, Kevin McCarthy, talk about the, you know, watch out what you wish for. You might just get it because he has been working his entire life wanting to become Speaker of the House. And talk about the worst possible time for him to become Speaker of a Republican caucus because it's like John name we don't have a lot of anymore. He worked his entire life to become Speaker of the House. And once he became Speaker, he had to deal with the Tea Party Caucus. And these people were so difficult for him to deal with, he left screaming after four years. Literally, he worked his entire life job that he walked away from in about three and a half, just under four years, because it was impossible to deal with the caucus. Well, the Tea Party Caucus looks like elder statesmen compared to the MAGA crowd, okay? I mean, and this is why, and the thing is that Kevin McCarthy had to take a week to make uh, be, uh, you know, everybody's still skipping Cal, over the fact Cal, that gay is Cal, a racist. Yeah. Now, hang up and call back yeah. in, because you're, you're still breaking up. Okay. I'm going to try to call back in. Hold on. Okay. So <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody hears everything he has to say. And, again, he mentioned that the Wi-Fi in his house is not the greatest right now. But I think it's important to alleviate a lot of fears uh, that everyone has a chance to hear what my guest has to say today. So we're just going to wait for him to call back in and, and continue on the theme of Republican self-destruction. I'm particularly interested in hearing this whole situation about the racist MAGA dinner um, because it seems like Republicans have always given Trump a pass no matter who he's entertained or what he's ever said. So I find it fascinating that this might even make a ripple in that water. However, um, I also want to point out that after the midterms, the Republicans seemed duly tired of Trump to a point where half of them are starting to turn their backs. And there is Nelson. Let's bring him back in. Hey, bud. Hey, can you hear me better now? Yeah, I can hear you. The problem is, is that at some point you start crackling and breaking up. But, you uh-huh. know, I, okay. listen, this, is, this, this show is important, and I want folks to be able to hear you. So take it away. Okay, uh, let me know if I start breaking up again. Um, I but will. okay, yeah, the, that's the thing. You know, Kevin McCarthy has such a slim majority to condemn Nick Fuentes' uh, presence at Mar-a-Lago, mm-hmm. and by and if you have to wait a week to condemn, it's going to come out as weak sauce. Nobody fucking believes it, sure. and yet he can't. Right. He has to be careful because if he pisses off Marjorie Taylor Greene too much. Uh, he's toast because she gets a few other people together and he doesn't become speaker. 
he's got to give away the farm to the craziest members of the Republican caucus or else he doesn't get to be speaker. Um, That's why the first thing that he's already announced is that they're going to be investigating the January 6th investigation. Yes, the first thing that the new Republican House is going to do is investigate the last House of Representatives for investigating January 6th. Uh, And somehow they think that they've been unfair to the seditionists and the rioters, and, uh, and and that's just going to be a complete shit show. It's going to be a circus. You're going to get QAnon crazies in there. And that's the hell of it. You know, if Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene decide that they want to have hearings on where the pizza shop that Hillary Clinton used for Pizzagate was really located, McCarthy can't Uh turn them down because they've got him by the short hair. And so it's going to be the most miserable existence for a Speaker of the House in our lifetime. And couldn't happen to a nicer <laughs> weasel than Kevin McCarthy. But uh, it's it's just incredible. And the thing is, is that I know Kevin McCarthy is trying to reach out to uh, some of the more moderate, especially Southern Democrats, who are a little nervous about the rise of the progressives and AOC and Bernie Sanders and all that, and try to woo them over to join the Republican Party. Well, not only was there not really much of a chance of that before Mar-a-Lago, after a fresh reminder to everybody that the Republican Party is now the party of Yay and Nick Fuentes, just as much, if not more, than it's the party of uh, Liz Cheney or uh, any other stalwart names that you've heard for a long time, even more than it's the party of Kevin McCarthy, uh, there's no way that anybody's going to go near that party. And as a matter of fact, I'm predicting that, you know, if it gets completely crazy and there's absolutely no way for them to even move symbolic legislation on taxes and all the kind of stuff that they actually ran on uh, through, I wouldn't be surprised if Hakeem Jeffries is making isn't making some slight overtures to some of those Republicans in the mushy middle, some of those Republicans from suburban districts who are really the most endangered right now. Uh, Republicans Hmm. in suburban districts are are going to be ridiculously endangered in 2024 because we're going to have two years of a GOP clown show in the, uh, in the house of representatives. We're going to have people asking, you know, wanting to talk about inflation and gas prices and they're going to be talking about Hunter Biden's laptop, which people want to hear yeah. less about than even Hillary's emails anymore. Um, and so there's a lot of Repu- Republicans in squishy suburban districts that are very much swingy districts that could easily swing to a Democrat if Republican turnout is suppressed. And some of these guys might start eyeing the exit. And Hakeem Jeffries, who's the new uh, leader of the Democratic Caucus in the House of Representatives, uh, the first black leader of a caucus in the House of Representatives, following up the first woman to lead that body. And, of course, in 2024, Hakeem Jeffries is going to become the first person of color to be the Speaker of the House because there's no way that the Republicans don't lose mouth in 2024. Donald Trump is going to be really? Nothing motivates wow. Democratic voters more than Donald Trump. So, uh, it's 
literally, you know, I told people still don't, you know, you know, show up and vote, everybody else, but don't stay up at night chewing Tums, worrying about the outcome. I said we had this. Yeah, we're not going to be able to move stuff through Congress. The House is going to be the crazy caucus. But we've had times of gridlock before. We'll get through it. The important thing is the fact that Kevin McCarthy is not going to be able to hold his caucus together. So when it comes to things like uh, raising the debt limit ceiling and basically funding government, I don't think Hakeem Jeffries is going to have any problem peeling off 10 Republican votes in some of those districts where they don't really like stunts and grandstanding, peeling them off to support some basic legislation moving through the House, just to keep the doors open and the lights on. And then in 2024, we get to take everything back with huge majorities. So, you know, we've just got to, we, we've got to play through these next two years. But, you know, we're going to have a good time. I mean, the Republicans are in a circular firing squad in a way that I have never seen before. And I'm talking, I watched the Democrats in the, in the 80s and 90s find new and inventive ways to blow and lose elections, and I've never seen a this array. First of all, that's really good news. Second of yeah. all, um, so you think do you, do you think this is directly related to the we're sick of Trump wing of the Republican Party? See, the 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 we're sick of Trump wing of the Republican Party are basically your traditional. Uh, fiscal conservatives, the hardcore capitalists, the people who didn't give two shits about social issues but just wanted to keep taxes and regulation low. And they they are just completely disgusted at what happened during the midterms. I mean, really, again, in any normal political year, the Democrats would have gotten shellacked, uh, to use one of President Obama's terms, uh, because you had yeah. a president with approval ratings in the 40s, the first midterm after a new party takes the White House. Uh, bad inflation numbers, uh, a lot of different metrics were going against the party in power. And yet uh, it looks like we're going to wind up picking up a Senate seat. We not only retained control of the Senate, but we're going to pick up a seat because the Republican Party has abandoned Herschel Walker. They've given up on him. He was only a useful idiot for them to try to get the majority. And now that there's no way for them to take the majority they're not spending any more money on Herschel Walker. And Herschel Walker took the Thanksgiving weekend off from campaigning. So, you know, you, there, there's writing on the wall. There. So we're going to pick up a seat. Uh, and the fact, like, you know, they took the House, but they took it by a slim majority. They're not going to be able to get jack shit done. And the most extreme members of their caucus are going to be able to control everything because they have zero room for error or defection. It's going to... Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we're going to be able to sit back and watch them slowly eat each other uh, because the the anti-Trump wing wants to fall in line behind Rick DeSantis. And the only reason why is because Rick DeSantis actually outperformed his polls. Most Republicans grossly underperformed the polls. Uh, and let me, let me talk about that for a minute, too, because, you know, you were kind of freaking out before the uh, midterms because you saw all these articles yeah. about all these races that were – suddenly so close and the Republicans could win. And what really yeah. happened, and when I, look, when I look back, I wish I had been more tuned into Nate Silver because 538 a long time ago said that they weren't sure of a lot of these polls that were coming out showing such tight races because a lot of them were aggregates that were using junk polls from Republican campaigns that were way outside the realm 
of reality. But what they did is they, they polluted the real poles enough to the point where the races looked a lot tighter than they ever were. Uh, yes, yeah, some of the races were tight. They came right down to the wire, but most of them were not. New Hampshire, no problem there. That wasn't even breaking a sweat for the Democrats to win that one. Uh, Michigan governor, they hardly broke a fucking sweat. New York governor, there wasn't even a remote chance of the Republican winning that. And the polls right before the election showed things in neck and neck tight anybody could win. And a lot of these places in these junk polls from Republican campaigns where they refused to publish their data, they refused to publish their methodology, they were entirely cooked numbers, but they did it to give themselves juicier headlines to get people to click on. That's just the, the, the long and short of it. Uh, there were a lot of reasons that were never that close. Um, but Rick DeSantis actually outperformed his polls, even the very pub, you know, favorable Republican polls he outperformed. Um, and Rick DeSantis, like I said, Rick DeSantis is a classic example of a regional powerhouse who is going to try to launch himself on the national stage and is going to crash and burn like you just wouldn't believe. I mean, it's going to be like uh, Rick Perry in Texas. He was supposed to be this powerhouse conservative governor uh, who was going to just, you know, romp and stomp over uh, all of his opponents. And he uh, he tripped and he, he tripped himself up so many times it was comical to watch. Uh, back in the 80s, Michael Dukakis was one of the most powerful governors in the Democratic caucus. He went out on the national yeah. stage and what worked in Massachusetts really didn't fucking work in middle America. Uh, same with, you know, Mario Cuomo. Whatever. You know, there's a reason why Mario Cuomo never ran for president when everybody was telling him that he needed to, because he knew that what works in New York don't always work in uh, Indiana or Wyoming or Oregon or all these different places. So I don't really think DeSantis is that much of a risk. Uh, in fact, you know, DeSantis really does owe his career to Donald Trump. Because DeSantis is a thin-skinned bully who really hates uh, to uh, not get his way, but he's a really shrewd politician. I'm sorry, he's really that in most, he, he's, he's, he's one of these people, he's just wacky enough that he's really not a serious national contender. Uh, but mm-hmm. the fact that Donald Trump has made things so crazy on the extreme wing, that DeSantis looks almost traditional by comparison, even though he's really on the wacky fringe. DeSantis is no moderate. Don't let him, don't let any media try to paint him as being moderate. I mean, yeah, he's less on the crazy side than Donald Trump, but that's like saying that they only use a little less drugs than Keith Richards. So it's still not a huge (laughs) difference. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of suburban Republicans who'd like to latch on to Ron DeSantis because he's at least somewhat the echo of a familiar vibe that they remember from years ago. These people who are like, you know, uh, lighting candles to uh, to their old Mitt Romney for president buttons and wondering where the hell the good times went. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, there's, a, there's plenty of Republicans that want to ditch Trump. But the thing is that Trump is the master of grievance politics, and that's all the Republican Party has. They can't agree on policy. They can't agree on a way forward 
in any way, shape, or form. There are traditional fiscal Republicans who want to cut taxes for rich people more, but they can't get a hearing because they're too busy having to contend with the people who want to investigate uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg for treason from beyond the grave. I mean, it's literally, you know, the the party can't function. Uh, Donald Trump throwing his hat in the ring is completely fucking everything up because, again, it's making everything about him. And he's got such a shrinking base um, that he's he's still powerful enough within the Republican Party to do a lot of damage. I actually predict that it's going to be Trump versus DeSantis in the Republican primary, and they are going to rip each other apart. It's literally going to be one of those cases where we could nominate Hunter Biden's laptop, and they're going to be able to beat whoever emerges from the Trump-DeSantis throwdown, because it's going to get bad. And I'm going to pop some popcorn and smoke a motherfucking joint and enjoy myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you really think, okay, so let's say it gets down to that, and obviously Trump is going to run, and Trump is going to say all the Trumpian things he fucking says, and DeSantis will either fold like an accordion or he'll fight back. I mean, but, and I understand that there's a wing of the Republican Party that is hoping DeSantis wins. But if DeSantis doesn't get the nomination for some reason, aren't they just going to fall in behind Trump again? Well, you know, that's the problem is that um, Donald Trump being in the game means the entire party get starved for funds because the thing that happens if Trump nabs the nomination, you're not going to necessarily see that many people openly campaigning against him, but he's going to raise all the small dollar donations from the grievance poli- you know, politics, uh, from the grievance, grievance politics types and the other, the corporate donors, the business donors, the big money donors, the people that are the bread and butter of a lot of Republican campaigns and have been rewarded very handsomely in all kinds of favorable tax policies for their generosity, these people are going to keep their checkbooks closed and they're going to stay home. There's a lot of suburban Republicans who are not going to vote for Donald Trump again. Um, They just won't do it. They're sick of him. They say they, they took a chance on him in 2016. They started to leave him in 2020 and after January 6th, they're completely done with him. Uh, I'll tell you that if Donald Trump gets the nomination, it's going to annihilate the party. But the thing is, is that you know that if Donald Trump doesn't get the nomination, he is going to be screaming about doing a third party run. And even though I don't think he'd actually do it, I don't think he'd actually pull the trigger on a third party run. I think that's way too much commitment of his personal time and resources to actually have to do that kind of thing. He's going to talk about a third-party run right until the last second, which is all that people are going to talk about when they talk about the Republican side of the presidential campaign. It's not going to be how is Ron DeSantis doing in the debates. It's going to be is Donald Trump actually going to start his third-party run tonight. Uh, and And you know that Donald Trump is going to tease big reveals, big announcements every time DeSantis has a big event. He is, uh, he is an expert at being a spoiled brat and a spoiler 
And let me tell you, most people have not seen Ron DeSantis' nasty side, though, because he has been very shrewd. He has been playing the loyal Trumpian all along because he figured that Donald Trump was going to flame out, uh, and he figured he probably hoped that he was going to be gone by now, but he figured that Donald Trump was going to flame out, and he was going to step in to take over once Donald Trump flamed out, and he didn't have to do anything to help it along. He could be, you know, DeSantis figured he could be a nice, loyal uh, Trumpkin uh, right up until the point when Donald Trump got rode out of town on a rail, and then Ron DeSantis comes in to wage a symbolic campaign uh, in the name of their dear leader, yada, yada, yada. Well, Donald Trump isn't fading as quickly as DeSantis would have liked, and DeSantis knows that timing is everything. He's got momentum right now. And if he doesn't hop on this momentum right now, uh, by 2028, the, 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 the landscape could be so radically different in this country electorally that, you know, he really has to run in 2024 or, no, he may never get a good chance to run again. So DeSantis is going to run. He's going to run against Trump. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, somebody else also, like somebody else major, also throws their hat into the ring to try to uh, oppose Trump. Uh, and it's, like I said, DeSantis, though, is a thin-skinned bully. When he isn't controlling his temper on a strategic level, he can get vicious. This guy is a tough son of a bitch. Uh, he's an asshole, and he's, a, and he's really, really, he's, he's politically smart, but he's personally very stupid. So if DeSantis is the nominee, then Joe Biden is going to talk circles. Joe Biden could be on an ambient binge and talk circles around Ron DeSantis. Um, you know, it's like, uh, but it's, if DeSantis seriously runs, and I think he's going to, it's going to be, I mean, again, like I said, we're going to sit back and just watch the Republican Party tear itself apart. And let me tell you, um, there is a caucus who are saying they are not going to vote for Kevin McCarthy for speaker. So a lot of people mm-hmm. think that they're just doing this to try to extract concessions out of McCarthy, but other people think that it's a power play. They actually are thinking that there are Republicans in the MAGA caucus who are going to try to obstruct anybody from becoming speaker of the house uh, because they're hoping that they're going to be able to get an outside person in as speaker if McCarthy flames out. Uh, and that's the thing. You do not have to be a member of the House of Representatives to be elected Speaker of the House. There's nothing in the rules that says it has to be from among their members. Um, and I know wow. that there are people, yeah, there and there are people in the MAGA caucus who have a secret plan. Well, they think it's a secret plan. Anybody who can see what they're, the way they're talking, uh, if, what they're thinking, they're thinking they'll stand in the way of anybody becoming Speaker of the House and then throw out the idea of bringing Donald Trump as speaker in as a compromise candidate, and then their plan would be to impeach Biden and Harris and make Donald Trump president through the line of succession. Of course, they forget the fact that the Democrats are going to control the fucking Senate, so there goes that plan out the window. Uh, But it's still hilarious that these people are living in a fantasy world, but they can have very real-world complications from it. If they stand in the way of McCarthy becoming speaker, there's a chance that, you know, Again, I know I've heard that Hakeem Jeffries is, is is feeling out some of the Republicans from the squishy districts in the suburbs, the ones who are worried about either a low turnout election robbing them of their seat next time, losing to a Democrat, or getting challenged from the right by a MAGA Republican 
because a lot of MAGA Republicans are looking at Herschel Walker and wondering, where can I move where there is an insufficiently crazy Republican that I can challenge in the primaries? So a lot of these suburban Republicans are looking from both sides, the left and right, and they know the knives are out for them. I know that there are people from the new Democratic leadership who are just saying, hey, how you guys doing? You know, we're not crazy. Just remember that. Uh, and, you know, things get too crazy and drag on for too long. You never know. You could see a few Republicans switching sides, and all of a sudden we've got Speaker of the House, Hakeem Jeffries. So the next few months are going to be crazy. I think Kevin McCarthy's going to pull it off. I think he's going to promise enough goodies to the crazies to eke out yeah. a role as Speaker. But then he is going to face two years of hell. I think he is going to retire. I think he's going to quit Congress at the end of this term. I think it's just going to be too crazy for him. Wow. You know, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like the Republicans are trying to come at, you know, their con- congressional situation from very weird angles. Um, <laughs> I mean, the whole plot to bring Trump in as Speaker is just, I never have, I, I don't know, that's a pretty wacky plan if you ask me. Um, but oh, I know. It's possible, it's I suppose. Possible, but, but, oh, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, anything's possible. Trump's got to be president, yeah, yeah. that proves it. Right? But here's the thing, you know, DeSantis, even if he was a scum-sucking Trump lover, um you know, just by the fact that he's willing to make a presidential bid knowing that Trump is going to want to run, doesn't that just fly in the face immediately of of any kind of good vibes he had with Trump? I mean, Trump has already, oh, yeah. from my understanding, has already threatened the Republican Party saying, you better back me now or else. What oh, the yeah. fuck? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like... Trump saw the, the, you know, that's the thing. When it comes to backstabbing weasels, uh, they know their own. So Trump saw the threat from DeSantis a while ago. Uh, in fact, the biggest news from the, you know, the biggest positive news for the Republican Party from the last midterm election was DeSantis's resounding victory, including the fact that he won counties like Miami-Dade, which are normally Democratic strongholds in the state of Florida. That's all that Fox News and and the Daily Caller and One America News, and that's all they could talk about was, oh, my God, Ron DeSantis did so well. And Trump got pissed, started calling him Ron DeSanctimonious, started bragging about how he got so many more votes than DeSantis did in 2020. Um, I mean, just really got petty very, very quickly. And you know that, like I said, once DeSantis, I mean, I think DeSantis is going to announce because he's never been truly Trump's worshiping toady. That's a, a role that he's played because he could ingratiate him in MAGA circles. And there are a, a, a few small groups in the MAGA world that are starting to wonder if maybe their movement needs to be a little bigger than Donald Trump, especially since it looks like Donald Trump is going to probably get indicted under three different charges of federal law, uh, the kind of things that will definitely qualify him from ever holding a federal office again. 
But there are MAGA people right now who are starting to wonder, maybe it's time that their movement moves beyond Donald Trump, which, of course, will make Donald Trump go fucking nuclear if they start talking like that openly. But that's the thing. It's going to happen. This is going to happen eventually. If it doesn't happen in the next two years, it's going to happen after the Republicans get utterly embarrassed in the 24 elections. Like I said, we're going to have – you know, it's funny. It's like I was watching Morning Joe and Joe Scarborough, who is a former Republican, uh, because he has a brain. Uh, he's former Republican. He came in with Newt Gingrich. And, you know, uh, it's funny, though, when, when George W. Bush was getting ready to run for the 2000 uh, nomination for the Republican Party, um, you know, uh, Joe Scarborough asked uh, Karl Rove, what do you guys think about the way we rode Newt Gingrich out of town on a rail after the last election was such a disaster? And Carl Rose said, well, we actually like the fact that we don't have to worry about Newt Gingrich grabbing all the headlines while we're trying to run. Uh, you know, it's just, let's face it, a circus in Congress distracts from presidential politics. Well, we're going to have nothing but a circus in the House of Representatives for the next two years. And, and, wow. the, and the Senate is going to keep confirming yeah. judges. They're going to keep doing their business. They're going to keep That's passing bills that are going to die in the House. And, uh, you know, it's, it's by the time 2024 rolls around, um, I'll be surprised if the Republicans can hold 40 seats in the Senate, tell you the truth, by the time the next elections come around. Wow. That's, well, that, first of all, that's super encouraging. But, of course, I yeah. have to ask the doomsday questions because you know how I am. Um, so yeah. let's say, okay, so so DeSantis announces, which I'm convinced he's going to do, all signs point that way. Obviously, Trump has already announced. What if something fucking crazy happens, these two go up against each other, and DeSantis actually loses the nomination to Trump. Are we strong enough in the fact that people are tired enough of Trump that we can walk away with this thing if we all band together and do the right thing and fucking vote like we're supposed to? Just saying. Oh, yeah, because the big thing is that the Republicans had a plan to try to make sure that they could take the next election no matter who really won. And they ran a lot of election deniers for important roles like governor, Secretary of State, the people who are in charge of counting or certifying the results in key states. And every right. single election denier who ran for governor or Secretary of State lost. Every single one. As a matter of fact, Michigan has now has a Democratic legislature for the first time in decades. So... Michigan is going to count the votes as they really are, and Michigan is going to stay blue. Pennsylvania, we have, uh, you know, we we have uh, a a Democratic governor, and the Democratic governor gets to appoint the Secretary of State who counts the votes. So Pennsylvania is going to count their votes accurately. In Arizona, we have a Democratic governor who beat out Kari Lake, who refused to, to debate the crazy woman because she knew she was just going to lie, and the Democrat won anyway, that state is going to be safe. So 
basically all the states that Biden won last time, he's going to be able to win again. And that's going to be enough. But let me tell you something. In two years, there's some, the biggest thing that happened with this election, the biggest thing that's going to have the longest impact is the performance of Generation Z. Gen Z turned out. It's a 370% growth over the last midterm as far as Gen Z participation because every month more of these kids are turning 18 and they are voting in the highest numbers in the history of the 18-year-old vote. It is incredible what's going on. And they are not turning out for Republicans. Three to one, they're voting for Democrats because they understand the stakes. They understand what's really at play. They care about the autonomy. They care about police abuses. They care about climate change. They care about safeguarding gay marriage and advancing gay rights. They care about everything that the Republican Party stands against. And these kids are voting in huge numbers. And yet again, um, it's like, you know, we can admit, you know, even if you don't think anything's wrong with your generation, we can admit that sometimes we got assholes. Gen X, we got assholes. Uh, (laughs) Excuse me, baby boomers. Yeah, you guys got assholes. Nobody's going to deny we that. Got a lot of them. Well, now the millennials. Oh no. The millennials. Yeah. The millennials and the Gen Zs are making sure that the assholes in the older generations don't get to control things anymore. That's what's going on here. And if Gen Z keeps voting in these kind of numbers, then we're going to see yeah. states like Texas and Georgia and places that we never thought of are going to seriously flirt with turning blue in 2024 for president because the kids are voting and they're pissed and they're making their voices heard. All right. So let me ask the other doomsday question because, uh, you know, I got to know. Yeah. God forbid, God forbid something happens to Biden. What happens? Uh, Something happens to Biden and he decides not to run. Um, I think you know, it's it's a question that's up in the air. The natural pecking order would be that Vice President Harris would step forward. Uh, of course, there's a lot of people who are nervous because the last time he ran a woman. Um, but, again, this is not 2016. This is not the parties of 2016. It's not the media environment of 2016. And there's, you know, I mean, I don't think that Joe's going to have any r- problems in running I think Joe's in good shape. I think he's going to run. He's going to serve another term. Uh, But there is a good stable of people who are ready to step forward, Vice President Harris being one of them. And like I said, the thing is, is that it's we have to forget about the way things have been because with the new generation coming in, they're not voting like generations have in the past. They're not voting the way generations could be depended on to vote in the past. And the the very same people who were deciding the 2016 race, uh, by the time 2024 rolls around, that's eight years later. And there is going to, there are tens of thousands of people who aren't even eligible to vote, who are not only registering, they're voting in off-year elections, they're voting in special elections, they're turning out. And so I don't I don't doubt that even if we had to run Vice President Harris, I think she would clean the floor 
with whoever, because whoever comes out of the Republican nominating contest is going to be a shadow of their former self. It is going to get dirty. Donald Trump is going to unleash all of the dirty information that the Russians give him on Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, I know, you know, I've heard, has a couple of aces up his sleeve to try to take out Donald Trump. Uh, it's going to get incredibly bloody. Like I said, I don't think you need to worry too much about doomsday because by the time Trump and DeSantis are done hammering each other, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop could win in an election and I know it sounds very prestigious, but it's one of those things where as long as the person can stand up and say three sentences and not sound like a crazy person, they can walk away with it. The Republican Party, as we've known it, is dying, and they are tearing themselves apart. Uh, they embrace extremism, and they got shellacked for it, and they're only dialing up on that because that's all they have left. So... I don't think you need to worry about your doomsday scenarios. I think the thing that we have to watch for and start thinking about is what the world is going to be like post-Republican Party and what uh, and how uh, the country is going to wind up realigning itself. I think that's going to be one of the more interesting times in, in American history. Wow. I'm impressed. I got to tell you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> anytime I hear this. Anytime I hear the name Trump, I get nervous, obviously, because the unthinkable has already happened. And, oh, yeah. you know, it just, it just seems like now at this point, including, you know, the Democratic win um, in the midterm for the Senate, you know, I mean, because that wasn't supposed to happen. Trump wasn't supposed to happen. A lot of things were not supposed to happen. It just seems like oh, the yeah. existing rule book that we lived by for decades and decades, is now officially out the window. Is that pretty much the case? It's the case. It really, the thing that, you know, things started to mutate after really the conservatives ruined everything. Uh, But it was after the whole Reagan thing in the 80s, uh, they're trying to figure, you know, the Republicans are trying to figure out a way to rebrand themselves after after George H.W. Bush kind of flamed out. And they came up with Newt Gingrich, and they started doing hardcore uh, resentment politics. They were trying to do it on a class warfare system with a lot of racial dog whistles. Uh, But really what happened was the election of a black guy for president, Barack Obama, is what really made the wheels come off of the Republican wagon. Because the Republican Mm -hmm. wagon, uh, ever since the Southern strategy under Nixon, where the Republicans reached out to disaffected Southern racists who used to be Democrats until the Democrats abandoned racism in, in favor of civil rights in the 1960s, the Republicans reached out to these people and started putting together this patchwork of American uh, conservative fringe groups. Uh, the racists, the religious extremists, the religious whack jobs, um, all kinds of different stuff. In the 80s, they, you know, the, the, the hardcore right-wing evangelical nut jobs got brought in to the Republican coalition. And it was always one of those things where the fiscal guys could, you know, who controlled the money were able to control the crazies and use them when they needed to to win elections and then go back to Washington and do things the way they wanted to. But when there was actually a black guy elected president, all of these various grievance politics uh, subdivisions that had been nurtured in the Republican Party for decades, they just exploded. I mean, you know, it's like the Tea Party, you know, the incredibly 
racist movement masquerading as a tax protest uh, erupted solely because of Barack Obama's uh, election. And you take a look at that. The Tea Party was enough to defeat John Boehner after four years of being speaker. Um, so that's where really the wheels started to come off. It's when that, you know, the simmering pot of crazy that the Republicans have been able to, to moderate for so long just exploded when you had a black the White House. And when you had uh, when you had Jay-Z visiting the White House, it, just, it was to these people, and they just started to come apart at the seams. The first thing they do after Barack Obama's second term, they try to run a whole field of regular Republicans, and Trump just completely uh, took over. Uh, and I remember we were it was it was in uh, 2015. I was on a on a show, a Desperate Housewives show back in 2015. I explained to everybody exactly how Donald Trump could win the Republican nomination. It's pretty much exactly what he did, picking off opponents, yeah. the easy ones, early on, and absorbing uh, the the certain amount of spoils that you get of support from when you win races. Uh, there's a certain amount of of, of mentality. Um, but it's like, yeah, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, it basically it was all Republicans had left were grievance politics. That's all they governed under during Obama was anti-Obama hatred. That became the yeah. keystone of the Republican Party, especially during Obama's second term. Uh, they just had to oppose everything that he liked just because it was from Obama. So Trump came in there, and he just took the – views that have been laid for decades by Republicans and lit it. And the party is gone that we know. The party that you and I grew up with, the party that produced people like John McCain and Bob Dole and, you know, even people who we used to think of as fringy like Barry Goldwater, that party's dead and gone. Mm -hmm. It ain't coming back. There's a bunch of Republicans pretending that it's going to, but it ain't coming back. And it certainly isn't going to come back through Ronald fucking DeSantis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I guess the party that we knew, we knew, I mean, you could disagree with these people because they were actually reasonable people to a certain extent. They just had ideas that we thought were ridiculous. Um, now it's gone from ridiculous to insane and dangerous, uh, which gives, you know, I would think most normal Democrats a little bit of fear. But you've explained it in such a way that I feel a lot more comfortable with life as I know it right now and have a lot more hope that I will not experience in my lifetime another Trump situation. So I want to tell you how well, much tell I you. appreciate you. If, if you want to understand just where, how far away from the old party we are, you got to understand that Kari Lake in Arizona, um, oh, one of the hallmarks of her campaign stops, was saying that if there are any John McCain Republicans here, you can get the hell out because we don't need you in the party anymore. And it's like, yeah, and, and she claimed at CPAC that they put a stake through the heart of the McCain Republican movement. I'm like, oh, yeah, John McCain, you mean back when you guys used to win races in Arizona, when you guys used to elect Republican senators from Arizona? Oh, yeah, I can see why you guys – you know, I can see why we want to get away from that, but you guys wanting to get away from that is kind of weird, but okay, we'll take it. And that's the Republican Party today, where, you know, it's like the idea that, you know, if you're a conservative who's only 
you know, with the hardcore nut jobs, 90% of the time that you're not good enough. And they're going to whittle their party down until there's no one left. Unbelievable. Well, Townsend, we have just run through pretty much an hour. So before we go, yeah. first of all, thank you, as always, for making of me course. feel better. But, but, but please, just remind folks uh, how they can find you and, and what you're up to for the holiday season. Well, you can always come and check out my website at talisong.com. Uh, that's where you can find out about where my books are available, and you can get them right now. I'm also going to be launching the Pagan Pundit podcast as well as a yet unnamed spiritual occult Wiccan pagan type podcast after the first of the year, pretty much after we move and I have my office set up. Uh, That's going to be coming out later this year. So if you want to find out what's going on with the books or with the podcast or anything else I'm doing, go to talisong.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at talison underscore G. And I also have a new Facebook page. Uh, Talison Govan, an author, and I share stuff all the time on there uh, on my own personal profile from that site. So go and check out there. I post on the tal- on the author page every day, lots of funny stuff and anything that I do, you'll be able to find out there. Uh, the Queen, book three in the Search for the Saga is coming in 2020, as well as the first Proverb uh, Hawkins novel. So uh, stay tuned, folks. I'm glad to be here as always, and, uh, you know, I will see you guys next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. (laughs) Thanks, my friend. See you next month. All right, guys, that's it for today. Have a wonderful weekend. I will see you next week. Take care.